Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. Today you're joining us for episode 83. Today's topic is one we get a ton of listener questions on, so we'll be throwing in a couple of listener questions here and there as we work through this topic. So if you have submitted a question, listen up for sure. And quick reminder for those of you with burning questions, you can always go to AllieMillerRD.com backslash podcast and submit a question to be answered on an upcoming episode. So today we're talking all things healthy hair, skin, and nails, and how to get back your glow if you feel like it's lacking after the long winter. So before we dive in, Allie, let's give everybody a couple of updates. Sure, sure. So I am excited about today's topic. It's one that we often don't spend a lot of time on because I'm all about, you know, as you guys have heard, even with my resistance with the concept of weight loss, um, you know, aesthetics are like the uh, pleasant side effects of optimizing your health. And so I often don't drive with things like optimizing your skin or hair. It's like, oh, well, once you improve your nutritional density, when you heal your gut and you reduce inflammation, all of that kind of comes to par. But I think with some root causes today, we will give you guys some great turnkey solutions to really optimize any trouble spot areas within your beauty regimen, as well as just how you feel in your body on a day-to-day basis. So excited to do it and share. Um, let's see what we have going on, Becky. Uh, we are in May. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I know the biggest push on my end is we're, we're going into the last couple calendar days leading up to our virtual ketosis uh, class. So that starts May 15th. You guys uh, grab a spot now if you don't have one yet. Um, this group has already filled over the intended capacity, but we were able to work in some additional spaces and hope that you can all join us. It is a 12-week program. It is fit for all spectrums of the, the scope of whether you are a novice in ketosis or you are a keto fat-fueled expert. You will definitely learn tools on how to accelerate your progress and results pairing food as medicine and functional medicine concepts with your fat fueled process. So we hope you'll join us. Um, It's six live classes, over 30 different customizable worksheets and tools and um, access to our private Facebook group. And if you get the bundle, which is $199 only for a three-month program um, and all of the things, you will also get both eBooks, Ketogenic Kickstart, and Eat Pack Get Skinny. Yes. And speaking of you know, skin health and beauty, we definitely have seen that as kind of an added benefit to our keto program in that it helps to reset hormones. It can help to reduce some of the inflammatory drivers in the diet, which lead to things like acne for sure. Um, We've seen people clearing up 
rashes that are more yes. yeast or dysbiosis related. Um, so there's a lot of benefits in, in that realm, um, as well as we've seen things like weight loss of 50 plus pounds, reduction of A1C and fasting insulin, reduction of triglycerides and LDL cholesterol, and especially an impact on that particle size that we speak of so often. So a lot of awesome benefits beyond just weight loss. So get in there. There's a couple spots left. Sign up. And yeah, you know, what's interesting for sure, Becky, is that a lot of those issues that you mentioned could be seen or accelerated with a more kind of standard American ketogenic diet. Um, You know, one that is higher in processed meats or one that drives estrogen imbalance in the body or one that has higher amounts of toxins without enough liver support for detoxification and maybe doesn't pair in support for microbiome and gut lining. So definitely, I think that in that community, a lot of negative changes can occur on hair, skin, and hormones. So uh, our program is a unique way to find harmony and balance within those different systems. Yes, I think that's so awesome to point out that we're really talking about nutrient density of food still and talking about using food as medicine. We use a ton of fresh produce and leafy greens in our keto protocol. So it's not just processed meat and four ounces of cheese at every meal, we promise. (laughs) Absolutely not. Awesome. So I'm really excited to jump into today's topic. I'm a lover of all things natural beauty, although I don't really wear a whole lot of makeup or get into that realm of things uh, a little here and there. But I must admit, I'm kind of a product junkie for some of the the natural products out there. Um, So today, we are going to cover hair, skin, and nail health. And while each of these could probably be their own episode, I think it's fitting to just tie all three together as the root causes are really often intertwined when we see dysfunction in these areas. And this is something we always assess for in our initial screening with clients. So we'll be covering common concerns with hair, skin, and nails, and what this might indicate about overall health status, as well as food as medicine and supplement solutions, and some fun recipes for some DIY treatments. And I am really excited to have you on this episode with me, Becky, because (laughs) I am even less (laughs) of a participant in beauty products and all the things. I'm so reluctant, and um, especially as I've transitioned from having my brick-and-mortar business in Houston to working virtually in Austin, (laughs) Brady loves to tease me about how he's like, babe, you haven't changed out of your slippers for a day or whatever, and... (laughs) like, oh, I can just wear glasses and don't have to put any makeup on for 10 days in a row. Um, And so I'm definitely of the low, low maintenance type of um, women with my aesthetics and self-care. But I will be happy to speak on the functional elements of imbalance. And then I will uh, rely on you, Becky, (laughs) with some of the product recommendations and DIY treatments. And to mention, Becky is the naturally nourished resident beauty counter um, associate. Is that the term or is it affiliate? Or is I'm it- a consultant actually. Consultant. Yes. <laughs> Our beauty counter consultant. So as far as clean and optimal makeup products, which is the only makeup that I use as well um, when I use it, um, definitely we'll be sure to put a link 
through so you can check out some products that are clean and free of additives and hormone disrupting compounds and safe skin and um, makeup care. Yes, and I'm sure I'll make a few shameless plugs to some of their products that I really like within this episode as well. So free reign, girl, do it. Yes. Awesome. Um, so to start us off, we always ask in our initial session about recent hair loss and thinning. We ask about hair texture change. We ask about skin integrity, things like rashes, breakouts, dryness, or excessive oiliness, um, and even like breakage of nails or white spots on the nails or ridging in the nails. We always ask these questions in our initial assessment that we do with clients. And I want to talk broadly about this, why this is so integral to assessing someone's overall health and, and why we do it in the first session. Yeah, I, I love kind of opening with that because the structural health and the health of hair, skin, and nails can give us really a lot of insight to what's going on in the body beyond the vanity aspect of how we look, of course, or the aesthetics. So, you know, one of the big reasons why we ask these questions is that hair, skin, and nails are going to be one of the first kind of tips of the iceberg showing initial signs of micronutrient deficiency, uh, signs of hormone or thyroid dysfunction or imbalance as well. And we see in the skin really a lot of signs of, and scalp actually as well, a lot of signs of bacterial imbalance and dysbiosis as well as even sensitivities like leaky gut because the skin is one of the kind of external viewpoints of the integrity of the gut and the detoxification processes. Yes. So hair, skin, and nails can be kind of that first sign that something is off in the body. And as we've alluded to in a lot of other episodes, speaking to hormones and stress, um, we think about, you know, having nice, luxurious, long hair. Um, it's kind of a nice accessory for the body to have, but it's often seen as non-essential if the body needs to prioritize right. survival mode instead. So, you know, with high stress or being on that fight or flight mode for prolonged periods of time, maybe we see hair loss and really that's, you know, an, an early sign of thyroid dysfunction. So it gives us a lot of clues into what else is going on with our clients. Absolutely. And we know the kind of pinpoint times of dynamic changes, especially for women when we're talking about hair, uh, like during pregnancy versus postpartum, um, hormonal transitions can play a huge role. So seeing changes in hair, even hair texture, I know my texture of my hair changed dynamically after Stella. And um, that can be a big awareness if you didn't have a baby of a dynamic hormone shift. So by recognizing these early signs, we can get ahead of dysfunction on a larger organ uh, as far as expression of influence. And, um, you know, we won't go too deep into this stress access and how the thyroid is, is intimately connected, but episode 80 um, was a big hit on the thyroid stress connection. So I think that that would be one to revisit. If you're seeing changes of hair loss or changes in your nails, more specifically probably than, than skin, maybe a little bit of drawing in the skin, and you know you're under stress, that might be the first place to look for. But like you mentioned, kind of non-essential, when the body is not being well-nourished, hair is the first thing it's going to let go. It's going to focus on making sure that your heart is still beating and making sure that your liver is still filtering and making sure that your cells are still regenerating. You know, that's all more important mechanisms of survival. 
Right. You can just grab a hat if you don't have any hair, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we've got a lot of ground to cover today because we're we're covering all things hair, skin, and nails. Um, So I think the best way to go about this is to go through the different areas of dysfunction, some of the signs and symptoms related to all things hair, skin, and nails, and then we'll come up with some food as medicine solutions as well as product recommendations to kind of tie it all together. So starting with hair loss and thinning, because I think this is a huge concern we see with our clients, both our keto clients and our non-keto clients. Mm -hmm. Uh, So let's talk about why this happens and where we want to start to look to assess for root cause of hair loss. Sure. So hair loss is quite complex. It, It can involve genetic, hormonal, and environmental factors that contribute to loss and thinning. And um, about 50% of men are affected by genetic hair loss um, by the age of 50. And women, the major cause of hair loss before age 50 is nutritional and stress, um, with 30% of women under age 50 being affected in some level. So the main factors that we break down, first line of defense would be poor nutrition. And, and as we kind of unfurl this episode, we'll, we'll highlight some of the key nutrients involved. But poor nutrition is the first thing we think of. And that's why a lot of women have such healthy hair during pregnancy is because a lot of women aren't taking a multivitamin, but then they are taking a prenatal. Um, and so that's just kind of one of those already one plus two equals three, very clear. Poor nutrition on a micronutrient level and a macronutrient level can definitely drive issues with hair growth and or drive hair loss. Hormonal dynamic changes, as I mentioned, there are genetic influencers like family history. Medications can have an influence and radiation therapy, as well as toxic chemical exposure, like in chemotherapy can absolutely play a role with hair loss and a a free radical toxic overload um, status in the body. Uh, pregnancy, thyroid disorders, anemia, and iron storage. We'll talk about that connection in a moment. Autoimmune diseases, where the immune system is in overdrive mode and releasing a lot of inflammatory chemicals. Hair can definitely be a dynamic shift. And then within hormonal, we can see conditions like PCOS being one of the driving influencers of imbalanced hair function, whether that means we're getting hirsutism, like facial hair growth that's undesired, and thinning of the hair, and that's often both attributed to excessive testosterone in women. We can see stress and uh, dynamic stress on a physical as well as emotional level. Um, So even conditions of alopecia are autoimmune hair loss connected typically to mental distress. And then physical stress could be seen from trauma excessive exercise, and even dramatic weight loss can be seen as a perceived physical distressor to the body. So dynamic weight loss means typically that there is going to be a a physical stress and and a shift for your body to recalibrate. Okay, so that's a lot. Let's just address and call out a couple of the major factors that we see. So let's start with stress because I think that's probably the biggest influence. Yeah, especially, you know, so both chronic and acute stress, but we can see often as stress levels change, that can be one area where we can see hair dynamics change. Um, So that's one of the first things we think of when women are like, oh, all of a sudden I'm brushing my hair and it's just coming out in clumps. Um, That's one of the first things to look into. Are we giving the body enough adaptogens? Are we getting ample sleep? And can we support the stress access? And that turns hand in hand with the more long-term hit of when the stress access is off, 
often that means that the adrenals are being over pushed and the thyroid is being under stimulated as a survival mechanism. When the adrenals are over pushed, that can create more androgenic expression and again, from the adrenals. And this typically increases our DHEA, uh, which is also seen in PCOS as it kind of downregulates our ovarian hormone um, expression. And also we see with that adrenal stimulation, excessive testosterone and a suppression of estrogen balance as well. So that can play a big role as the stress hitting then hormone and thyroid as the next line of defense. And when the thyroid is put on hold, not only can we see hair loss and thinning, we also will see the, the brittle drying of hair and drying and kind of scaling in our skin as an early sign, maybe even before your T3 and free T4 are, are going to be showing hypothyroid. Um, so that's all kind of connected to stress. The micronutrient piece, I would first start with a macro, which is protein. So, you know, your hair is made up of 90% of protein. So if your diet is lacking in protein, your body is going to prioritize other important vital tissues over hair production. So your hair will definitely suffer. Um, we want to make sure that you're getting around a good general thumb is about 70 grams of protein per day to support hair health. So a lot of people in the ketogenic community um, typically tend to go very, uh, they may lower their protein even further to go high fat. And if they're averaging on general under 40 grams of protein a day, that's for like, you know, a woman weighing 160 and more, um, under 40 grams a day is definitely going to make it very difficult to have healthy hair um, because the body does go into that catabolism and muscle wasting. You may find out with your keto diet that you want to do some protein cycling to average that out. And you may do all right with about an average of 60 grams, but give or take when you're, when you're going under 40 on a day-to-day -day basis, you're definitely going to see some loss in the hair. And then on a micronutrient level, this is more vitamins and minerals. We tend to think of the B vitamin family, which again, B vitamins are exhausted or drawn towards deficiency under stress because they're used to help with neurotransmitters. So the two most kind of well-researched B vitamins are pantothenic acid and um, biotin. So uh, I think that's one of the connections of Pantene. Was the, the shampoo called Pantene? Pantene Pro-V, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Pantene Pro-V. Um, so that's kind of one of the big connections there that we see and is that pantothenol, which is an alcoholic compound of pantothenic acid, um, is used in a lot of different products to help with scalp fibers, um, so to help with supporting scalp fibers and to help with making hair less breakable and thickening the fibers kind of from the root area. And then biotin deficiency, uh, we do see as a driver of hair loss as well. And that's why biotin is in so many over-the-counter um, you know, supplements. And I, I would say loudly that we generally, my take is to never use biotin as an isolate supplement. I always like to recommend our B complex, which provides both the B5 pantothenate as well as biotin and other forms of uh, B vitamins in their bioavailable form in a nice synergy. Because if we just take high dose biotin, that can actually interfere with our thyroid function and that's not something that we wanna do. Yes. And then what about um, zinc is one that often comes up with hair loss or when I'm running a micronutrient panel on yeah. someone who has hair loss. 
Right. And then that person might be taking a biotin complex from Walgreens, but I think, and so again, don't, one of my big things to harp in on you guys is don't preemptively take a biotin complex just because your hair is thinning. That is not a one plus two equals three approach. First line of defense is make sure you're getting ample protein. Second line of defense is get a B complex. And I recommend the naturally nourished B complex, of course. And then, yes, looking into minerals and fatty acid deficiency is also an important thing to consider. So zinc does play a big role with um, functional activities in our follicles of our hair. It inhibits our follicle regression, and it accelerates our hair follicle recovery. Um, And there's definitely associative research looking at alopecia, which is, again, an autoimmune hair loss concern, and zinc deficiency. And remember, zinc also trends with anxiety. So there's a correlation there that if your zinc levels are going down because of stress and burnout, that that could also directly influence the hair follicle activity. Um, So we will put a link to our favorite uh, zinc supplement. Um, There's one through Metagenics that we've seen good clinical outcomes from. And then zinc-rich foods are going to be in your red meat first as well as nuts and seeds and oysters, uh, or organic or pasture-raised eggs in the egg yolk, um, and then even lentils could be a good form of, of getting the zinc in there. Awesome, and then what about, you spoke to fatty acid deficiency, and I think this can play a huge role when we're having like textural changes with the hair. Yeah, and, and that ties with hormones and inflammation for sure, so you know, Omega-3s do nourish our hair and support hair thickening, and they help to counteract inflammation or inflammatory processes that can drive hair loss. So, you know, fish oil has a lot of benefits on hair health. In fact, there was a study by the Journal of Cosmic Dermatology that evaluated the effects of six-month supplementation with an omega-3 fatty acid, as well as an omega-6 and antioxidants on the hair. And they found that uh, hair loss patterns reduced um, and that hair growth increased compared to the control group at 89.9%. So pretty remarkable outcomes on both hair diameter and hair density when using a good quality omega-3 fatty acid supplement. So our EPA DHA extra is one great thing to consider. And again, that's probably also the connection with a prenatal because now a lot of prenatals have a separate fish oil capsule um, because we're talking about the benefits of DHA on brain development for growing babe. So um, getting in your fatty fish also is a huge recommendation. Um, Choosing from wild-caught salmon, mackerel, tuna, uh, and uh, different wild sources. The smaller fish are going to have less concern of mercury. So sardines would be an awesome option as well. And then also your egg yolks, walnuts, hemp seeds. Um, Hemp seeds are going to be a good blend also of giving you a little bit of that omega-6 as well. And then within the world of fat, um, fatty acids and fatty acid deficiency, I'd like to also mention that fat soluble nutrients Um, which I know we'll get into some of the other fat-soluble nutrients when we talk about skin more as far as like A, D, E, and K. But definitely we see an association of all of these um, and with vitamin D specifically with helping with autoimmune conditions that can drive the hair thinning um, and also help with uh, supporting healthy hair growth. And if you're not absorbing your fats 
and you're also deficient in fat-soluble nutrients, I would highly suggest that you are stimulating your liver um, and getting ample bile flow because bile helps to emulsify or absorb the fats that you're consuming in your diet. So if you're eating a high-fat diet but you're still fat deficient, especially if we see trends of low oleic acid and A, D, E, and K, using the digestate enzyme is going to be a really good tool to help your body to absorb the fats in the diet and the nutrients provided that are fat soluble. Yes, that's definitely an awesome tool and we'll link to that in show notes. And then I wanna call out um, if nutrient deficiency sounds like it might be driving our hair loss, um, this is often where we start when clients come to us and their primary concern is hair loss. I would strongly consider running your micronutrient panel to see you know, which, if any, of these nutrients we spoke to are your Achilles heel of your hair loss. Um, and then bringing in a broad spectrum multivitamin like our multi-defense or multi-defense with iron for women who are cycling would be a great kind of first defender against micronutrient deficiency. Absolutely. Okay, so what about hair loss in the keto population? This is one that we get asked about a lot, especially with some of our longer-term keto clients who you know, have a lot of weight to lose and are three months in. We often do see changes at that point in the hair. Yeah, and I think it's two-part. One is definitely getting back into, are they getting enough protein, right? Because if they're just looking at mastering their macros, and they're trying to get above 80% of fat in their diet, They and, and they're still looking to be some level of hypocaloric, they might not be getting enough protein. So that's something to consider. And on the other end of the spectrum, we of course are conservative on our protein recommendations because we don't like to drive excessive protein intake and transamination and insulin response or insulin resistance with too much protein. So there is a sweet spot there for sure. But I think the other connection for sure with keto is the thyroid and distress connection. So remember that when we're doing any form of a diet that is a dynamic change to the body, um, the body can perceive this as distressing. And one of the connections to this stress access again is the thyroid gland. And so the thyroid is very connected with ferritin. And ferritin is the storage form of iron in our body. It's a very sensitive marker and it can be deficient without seeing anemia or a low red blood cell count. But ferritin plays an integral role in the thyroid gland as it's required to transport your active thyroid hormone to the center of the cells to be used. So your active thyroid hormone is that T3. That's the kind of gas on your metabolic gland. So if your ferritin levels drop too low, your T3 can't be used in the body. So that's going to be a direct influence as like a, oop, a leak in the gas tank. The gas can't get in the cells if ferritin can't carry it in there. So ferritin levels are have to be at least 40 um, to stop hair loss, and they have to be at least 70 to help with hair regrowth. Um, and if you guys listened to my episode on my autoimmune history, my ferritin was at a two <laughs> when I was a raw vegan. It was at a two. Um, and so I, at that time, was having clumps of hair falling out. Um, it was pretty disturbing. And we do see this often in the keto community 
where the ferritin levels drop low, and that's a sign of also ferritin can be a marker of acute inflammation. So if there is rapid weight loss, and that means that the body has released a lot of toxins, and the system can't process those toxins, that inflammation can cause the ferritin to plummet. And that means that also the metabolism stops because we can't use the thyroid gland. And that also means that the hair starts falling out as a symptom of distress. So often the first line of defense in the, the keto population is a 10 day detox. Um, and I recommend if that is you to look into our 10 day detox um, and use the supplement packs and the protocol. The other thing to consider beyond, of course, the, the direct approach, which, which would be the multi-defense with iron um, it, and upping your iron intake, eating red meat at least two to three times a week. If your ferritin levels aren't rebounding and you're getting iron and you may even supplement with a form of iron in a chelated form on top of that, if you also see anemia and low red blood cells, um, if, if that still is not looking optimized in the body, we also might look at carb cycling. And the reason for that would be if we've already done a detox formally on the liver and kidneys, it may be the distress putting the break as well. And um, so we need a little bit of leptin to create a little bit of insulin synthesis. And so carb cycling maybe twice a month or maybe uh, once a week would be a good way to kind of refill that gas tank to tell the body, I'm not in starvation distress mode. There's enough stuff here to use. And then the kind of leak in the gas tank can be filled and the, the system starts metabolizing optimally again. Yes. So we talk a lot about carb cycling in our episode on carb cycling, obviously, um, yeah. which is episode 75. So I'll link to that in the show notes for those of you who want a little bit more information or think that that might be something to play with to address hair loss. And, and it's a, right, it seems to be indirect, but it's very direct in the sense that if the body, if the leptin levels drop so low, that's one of the feedbacks in the hypothalamus, the part of the brain that tells the body, this person's starving. And so if it says this person's starving, the body thinks that which ways can it slow down caloric burn? And one of them is to allow ferritin to drop so that that gas of the T3 can't enter the cells. And so as the ferritin drops, hair loss is one of the visual side effects of that. So much to it. So Yeah. And it might not be just adding iron, you know, it's yeah. like you'd think, yeah. oh, this is iron storage, add iron. It's like, but why is the body oh, dropping the ferritin? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so sometimes it can be um, you know, inadequate intake, like me as a raw vegan, I didn't have any bioavailable forms of iron. So that's inadequate intake. But if you're eating red meat a couple times a week um, and you still have super low ferritin, you have to look at the starvation, hormonal, and inflammatory mechanisms that are keeping your ferritin levels low. Okay. So there's a lot there on hair loss and thinning. So hopefully that's helpful for folks who are dealing with it. And staying on the topic of hair for another moment, I want to talk about another super bothersome symptom. Let's talk about dandruff and flaky scalp. Yes. So this is a super common one as well. And dandruff is the result of overproduction of dead skin or uh, residual dead skin that is not being removed or kind of caking. And it can be caused by so many factors. It can be caused by dry air, you know, so when we typically see this higher in the winter than the summer with less humidity um, and, and using artificial heat in the household, 
that can be one thing of, of itself where we have kind of lower fatty acids, lower moisturization. Um, a vitamin deficient diet can contribute and harsh chemicals in shampoos can often be a big contribution as well. And this is why generally speaking for healthy hair, my recommendation is to wash your hair no more than four times a week and even as little as two times a week um, to help your body to regulate its pH on its own. Now beyond that, um, we're looking at the influence on a functional level of gut dysbiosis. Um, and this often trends with yeast organisms and even potentially parasite activity in the body. So dead skin buildup on the scalp um, can be tied to a yeast-like fungus. Um, I'm going to probably butcher how this is pronounced. But I don't know how I, to say it either. <laughs> am I digging deeper? Uh, it's uh, Malazia. Malazia? Malazia. Sure, we'll go with that. Malazia. <laughs> Um, but it does live on the scalp of many adults, and it can irritate the scalp, again, if pH is thrown off by topical things, or um, we can see issues based on the microbiome imbalance in the body. So we can see more skin cells grow, and when that happens, the extra skin cells die and kind of fall off, and that creates this white flakiness. Um, and again, a lot of it comes back to pH and bacteria. So we like to look at reducing the irritation on a topical level and then looking into the gut of why the body isn't regulating cell regeneration on a, a normalized level. And I, I know we often see this as a side effect. Sometimes the dandruff gets worse before it gets better when we do a candida cleanse, for example. And that's usually a sign to us that, oh, actually it's working and there was something kind of fungal element to it. Uh, but let's talk about the candida cleanse as a solution and maybe some other topical and supplement recommendations that you would have for dandruff. Sure. So the candida cleanse is one of the best places to start because it also is going to have beneficial influence on skin as, you know, the surface of the microbiome, if you will. And a lot of times we see this scalp buildup also as a sign of early onset of psoriasis, uh, which is in the autoimmune activity. And we see that scalp scaling as the first kind of line of defense of immunological imbalance. So the candida cleanse is a six-week process that uh, really kind of plows the fields of the gut biome. It uses our uh, candida cleanse bundle in the cleanse with also paired strategic uh, diet protocol. And the bundle includes compounds with berberine, also uh, essential oil compounds like oil of oregano and thyme. And it also incorporates particular probiotic that helps to eat away at uh, bacterial die-off. And then the ultimate detox formula, which helps the liver in the clearance of the die-off of bacteria and also the clear-up of toxins released during bacterial shifts. Um, so it's really comprehensive. It is going to kind of plow your gut biome so that you can then strategically rebuild um, and that's kind of the second part of our candida cleanse is a six-week cleanse with a four to six-week rebuild of uh, bacteria beneficial compounds. Um, so definitely something I recommend. And, and this is something that regardless of candidiasis, 
like I said, can help with all forms of dysbiosis or gut bacteria imbalance and can even help with GI bloating, can help with vaginal yeast, can help with fertility because we know there's such a connection with our endometrial function and our vaginal function and that whole vaginal biome. Um, so a really good way of just kind of resetting because there's so many different things that can throw the bacteria in the gut and in the skin and the scalp biome off. And a lot of it is based on this over sterility factor in our cosmetic world. Yes. And I know we'll speak more to the candida cleanse when we talk about acne and eczema as well. So definitely some benefit with skin conditions, like you mentioned. Yes. And then, you know, as far as supporting the scalp specifically, you can also do some topical things like tea tree oil with coconut oil as a blend, um, apple cider vinegar rinsing. And then a preemptive supplement you can take is our Spectrum Probiotic, which does have Saccharomyces boulardii in there. And that is a friendly yeast that helps to protect against dysbiotic or overgrowth of imbalanced yeast in the body. Okay, awesome. So some good solutions there for sure for those experiencing dandruff. Um, let's switch it up and talk about skin. And um, I know there's a couple of common skin conditions we want to address. Let's start with acne because we've had so many listener questions about this one and it's, it's very, very common. Sure. So um, I think acne is the most common yes. condition <laughs> and or concern. And um, there are genetic contributors, but the primary that we tend to look at is changes in hormone levels. And that's why a lot of times, unfortunately, uh, you know, a doctor will recommend birth control, hormonal birth control to regulate acne um, in a, a a child. <laughs> like, how do I say this? They're not prepubescent. No, I mean, they are, they're, they're teens because they're cycling, but yeah, too early um, to bring in a hormonal regulator versus try to understand the imbalance. But yes, hormone changes um, and then sleep and stress. And as we mentioned, the biome are great contributors to acne and a processed standard American diet for sure. So um, like I said, we think of the skin as kind of that viewpoint of what's going on internally. So pores can get clogged by excess oil production or dead skin cells on the surface. So inadequate hygiene can be a influence. And um, there are types of oils that are released into hair follicles that can become trapped beneath the skin and clog pores. Um, and, and that can play a big role as well. And then within that, there can be bacterial type infections and that can create more cystic influence in acne. When we see more androgenic hormonal influence, um, we see that those androgens, those stress responding hormones tend to increase oil production. So this is where we see, you know, the higher kind of prepubescent and uh, teens having acne with the androgenic influence. And that also tends to trend, like I said, with PCOS or irregular periods um, and uh, those experiencing PMS, if you will. When we're eating refined grains, excessive sugar, uh, unhealthy fats like industrialized fats, 
And processed foods that the body can't understand or metabolize, <laughs> the skin is one area where the body tries to detox. So we can also see higher prone towards acne with just processed crap, honestly, in the diet. So if the liver is overburdened and we can only detox so much through the um, colon and the liver and the kidneys in the form of urine, well, the rest of it is going to be trying to detox through our sweat glands. And if there's a lot of gunk within that process, that backup and buildup can also create acne in the body. And then there definitely are other medications. So beyond, I mentioned the, the hormonal related birth control could also cause the acne as much as it can work to resolve. Um, we can see corticosteroids, that same influence of androgenic influence. So steroid inhalers for people that are dealing with asthma or a steroid being used to manage another chronic illness can even drive acne as well. And then, you know, there's other lifestyle influences that either play a mechanism on hormones or on the stress access, like sleep deprivation and then smoking, which would drive more toxicity, right? Again, other drivers of inflammation. And then there can be the potentiality of irritation or external influence on the skin from makeup products or friction or, um, you know, things like types of pillowcases and things like that, compression and, and blocking pores on a, on a topical level. Okay. So that was a lot. Um, <laughs> let's speak more just specifically to uh, connection with both gut dysbiosis and just general toxicity. Cause I think that's probably out of all of these between that and the hormones are probably the biggest ones that we see as potential drivers. Yeah. So the gut dysbiosis, um, like I said, the, the first line of defense is to consider like a candida cleanse. And you would know that you have to start with the beat the bloat cleanse. If you've had an antibiotic used in your body in the last year for certain, especially if you've had one in, more than once in a year. And um, this is, again, the difference of a functional approach versus a, you know, um, allopathic, more Western medicine approach where so many individuals are prescribed um, antibiotics, <laughs> either in their creams or, I mean, kiddos and teens are on doxycycline and clindamycin and erythromycin and tetracycline, um, which have a huge havoc on the gut. So they're working the biome, but they're continuing to work the biome by destroying it. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> so I mean, it is like, just like, yep. take a moment, uh, you know? Yep. And, um, and so, yes, I think we both can understand that there's a biome influence and that that would not be debatable in however you practice. But in my perspective, I am trying to work with resetting the biome and proliferating the good gut bacteria to help with the skin health rather than just kind of atom bombing the gut to constantly kill the bad. Um, we want to strategically kill the bad in a six week cleanse. So definitely check out the Beat the Bloat and that's a great thing and it is safe for people over age 10. Um, if their body weight is over 60 pounds, they can use all of the supplements as prescribed and a great line of defense before putting your teen on a antibiotic or hormonal birth control. First line of defense I would say would be to do the cleanse. And 
the beautiful part about the cleanse is it's also going to help to clean up the diet in the process. So that's going to remove a lot of the gunk when you follow the six week protocol. It's also going to help to potentially identify some food sensitivities because the whole thing is grain free. So you'd be gluten free the whole time. You might consider to pull dairy out in addition if you're doing it for skin primarily. Um, and dairy will be out as far as the form of yogurts and such, at least for the first three weeks. So a great thing to potentially also dig a little deeper into. And um, you're also going to be getting a rich form of nutrients during the cleanse because you're eating whole real foods. So you're replacing your you know, grain toast because it's grain free with maybe sweet potato toast. So now you're getting more vitamin A, which can help with your skin cells. And you know, maybe now you're subbing out another refined food for nuts and seed butter, which is gonna be zinc rich. Um, and so I think that it's a both two part of removing the excess while providing an abundance of the nutrients required to help to reset both the biome and the cellular levels of nutrients. Awesome, and then for uh, just speaking to food sensitivities a little bit further, I often see this um, with my MRT population, you know, a side effect of running that MRT, maybe we did it for a different reason, but a lot of people do see their skin clear up when they go and run their um, inflammatory food panel and pull out some of those foods that they're sensitive to. So I think food sensitivities are an often overlooked driver of acne. Oh, for sure. I mean, if you're thinking of the concept of leaky gut, when those antigens or food particles leak into the bloodstream at higher amount, not only does the immune system respond with inflammation, but the body tries to understand, you know, where to compartmentalize and put these compounds. And again, a lot of times in our detox process, the body tries to push out through the, the dermal tissue. That's one of the areas to try to get toxins out. And um, so if we have food sensitivities, we have larger amounts of particles with no place to go, and skin conditions can definitely be an attribution of a sign of that leaky gut. Awesome, and then I think lastly to speak to, just briefly, because we already covered zinc deficiency um, extensively with, with the hair loss stuff, but definitely micronutrient deficiencies. Um, I think zinc and vitamin A would probably be the two that come to mind for me. Yeah, and then you know the big thing, like I said, all um, of the things that help to support our cell membrane. So your skin is a barrier of your immune system. It protects you from bacteria in the outside world. It protects you from you know things that would otherwise just go right into our cells. Our skin is our protective kind of structural defender, if you will. So things that work on our cell membranes, like our fatty acids, and then all of those fat-soluble nutrients, so A, D, E, N, K, all would have a huge influence. And I think vitamin E is a big one that we think of as skin as well. Um, and I think we'll get into a little bit deeper when we talk about some of the autoimmune elements. Yes, awesome. So let's speak for a moment to, uh, to the conventional acne treatments out there. I just think there's some really scary, freaky stuff. And like you were saying, if we you know go and do a candida cleanse and dive into that root cause, maybe we could avoid these in the first place. Yeah. So um, we talked, I think, a little bit on the antibiotics and how we, you know, so, so let's avoid those and instead do a bacterial cleanse. And that in, would include topical antibiotics as well. 
potentially using something like coconut oil on the face, um, which may seem counterintuitive and poor clogging. Um, coconut oil can actually have that caprylic acid compound that can have antifungal, antibacterial, and antiviral influence without being extremely sterilizing. So that would be a good topical option as a replacement. And then, um, you know, one of the big ones I'd, I'd like to touch on would be the Accutane, which has been tied to so many, unfortunately, of my clients that are dealing with now pretty extreme leaky gut um, and inflammatory bowel disease. A lot of them were on Accutane and oral antibiotics, and now we're seeing inflammatory bowel disease. Um, so it, there are a lot of side effects to that mega, mega dose. It was the, the way that the high dose vitamin A in the Accutane was delivered um, was quite abrasive and uh, definitely has severe concern for women with pregnancy, of course, um, but uh, and birth effects if taken when pregnant. But but I think it's more the GI on a on a day to day basis that we see. And if the GI isn't intact, I hope we've we've honed on this enough. If your GI, if your gut lining is damaged, um, you're going to have residual skin issues down the line. And so it may short-term work, but if it's damaging the GI, that's going to only perpetuate your GI distress. So both, you know, whether it's Accutane, better off using a root cause of optimizing your nutritional density with food as medicine and nutritional supplements to help with vitamin A absorption, like again, the enzymes that have lipase for fat solubility and ox bile, um, and or um, ensuring instead of doing the antibiotics, doing a gut cleanse, and instead of doing the birth control, which is just kind of that band-aid on your hormone dysregulation, to look into that HPA axis and balance out your hormone imbalances from the root cause. Awesome. So let's take it a little further and just talk about, we've already spoken to the candida cleanse at length, but um, where we would go from there in terms of treatment of acne and um, some maybe topicals to consider as well. Sure. So yes, the cleanse, and you might even look deeper if you know you have GI distress into the stool test if needed, but the candida cleanse is the first place to start to kind of plow the fields and then see where you're at. And then, um, as you mentioned, Becky, if, if dealing with food sensitivity or leaky gut, you may consider looking at the MRT blood test uh, to get a little bit deeper of what antigens are driving the inflammation on the dermatological tissue. And often, I will say, when we do an MRT for people with acne, we see candida as a big response. So it's yeah. so something interesting there for sure. Um, Playing with, I mentioned already coconut oil, but uh, charcoal is a big kind of buzzworthy thing I'd like to touch on. So charcoal can be fantastic. Um, I, I use the Beauty Counter uh, Charcoal Soap Bar, actually. Yes. Really awesome improvements in my skin. And, um, you know, there's a lot of spot treatment options with clay or charcoal masks. Um, and the only thing I'd want to mention is, um, and I do use charcoal toothpaste as well, um, which really I've seen a big change with teeth whitening. But the things that make important note of with both be, like betaine clay and um, or bentonite clay, um, bentonite clay and charcoal is that they are chelators. So they do trap minerals. So these aren't things like a lot of times now, a lot of people are taking like charcoal capsules I'm seeing on Instagram or like lemonade. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Doing those juices with charcoal and I am not a fan of doing that more than once a week by any means. You know, absolutely, if you're doing this before binge drinking, which I don't recommend anyway, but, you know, <laughs> maybe that makes sense and or maybe like a morning after hangover thing that makes sense. 
But other than that, definitely not something orally to use or to, to take internally on a daily basis because that can throw off your um, mineral and electrolyte balance. So just a little PSA there. Yes. I mean, between that and yeah, the, the juices and lemonades and detoxes with the charcoal capsules, I would say use it for, you know, food poisoning. I bring it with me for travel if there's ever an incident. For sure. Yeah. And then for like a severe hangover. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's about the only time, but um, beauty counter also has an awesome, have you used their charcoal mask yet, Allie? No. Well, I have like four masks that just sit in my drawer. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm I use masks like I have a mask on almost like three days a week or more, like more often than not when I'm at home and <laughs> working. Um, there's some of my favorite self-treatments to do, but Beauty Counter has an awesome charcoal mask that's really soothing to the skin and it also helps with unclogging pores. Or you could even use that as an overnight like spot treatment if you do have a breakout. Well, maybe next time I'm in town with you and we're doing something Yeah. We can do that and then we'll do new headshots after the day after. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> um, good, good, good. And so, so charcoal can be used topically, great option topically, not so much internally. And then um, other things to consider. I mentioned coconut oil. Um, but tea tree oil or neem oil can also be used topically. Those would be things that would influence, of course, the more of the bacterial. Now, tea tree can be quite uh, astringent or drying to the skin, so be mindful of that. You probably want a dilution, of course, and um, then to moisturize either the morning after or the night after. Um, and then apple cider vinegar can actually be used as a toner as well to help with regulating the pH because that's often, again, what gets thrown off. And then that's where the sebaceous glands and we get issues with the sebum and different areas of the levels of the skin and the uh, fatty acid release. And the apple cider vinegar can be a little bit harsh just if you apply it on its own to skin. So I would say do like a 50-50 apple cider vinegar and water. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I actually do this in a, a spray bottle and you can do it just as a spritz toner or you can oh. actually put it onto like a cotton pad, but you might smell like a salad a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. And you had pulled a study to discuss Becky on uh, low glycemic diet and the connection. What were the highlights from that? Yes. So um, this study in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition looked at um, how glycemic load actually affects acne expression. So 43 men with acne between age 15 and 25. So kind of that population where hormones are revving and, and we see sure. a lot of that acne expression. Um, they were separated into two groups. And then for 12 weeks, one group ate a diet that was 25% protein and 45% low glycemic carbohydrates. So still probably higher carb than we might recommend, but Absolutely. <laughs> um, that was considered the low glycemic group. And then the other group ate carbs without any control of glycemic index, and they had a higher glycemic diet. And at the end of the study, the acne decreased by almost twice the rate in the low glycemic group. And that's with 45% carbs. So if we think about what we yeah. consider mm -hmm. a low glycemic of, you know, 20, 25%, yep. less, much less with a keto diet, obviously, that could have a dynamic influence. Yeah, absolutely. So right, like you said, our low glycemic diet is never going to be above 30%. And then ketogenic would be even five to 10%. So uh, definitely dynamic shifts. And 
that's the other thing to be mindful of again and that I would just kind of harp is beyond the microbiome influence if you notice acne as a negative side effect from going ketogenic or going high fat low carb you need to drive liver detox because your body is trying to regulate that shift and it's having a hard time absorbing the high fats and also detoxifying the byproducts in your system from that dynamic change. And that's where we'd recommend that 10-day detox. Yes, awesome. So, so much to dig into the, it, there in that area and so, so much to address. And I think, you know, companies out there are like starting to get it that there's a biome connection and there's a lot of probiotic creams out there as well and like new products coming out and that's their big catch is, is they have probiotics in them. So that's something to watch for too. Um, but definitely the, the apple cider vinegar helps with regulation of that pH and gives some beneficial bacteria influence. Um, and have you seen anything in your uh, kind of research digging into today's topic on using SCOBY? I thought I've come across that like SCOBY mask. Yeah, Byron actually did that. He's so gross, but he was making kombucha for a while and he must have found it like on one of his YouTube <laughs> searches. This is my crazy husband. And he texted me a picture of himself. I, think I was out of town or something. And he had the SCOBY on his face. It was terrifying, <laughs> like absolutely terrifying. But I mean, <laughs> there must be something to it, right? If it's on YouTube. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, I mean, it is Saccharomyces boulardii and there's right. definitely a pH yeah. thing there. So I, I just yeah. thought it was interesting. I thought yeah. I'd come across that too. <laughs> so I might start with like the spectrum probiotic again instead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and then you would definitely smell like a vinegary yeah. something after that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, awesome. So let's talk while we're on the subject of skin a little bit about eczema because I know this is probably secondary to acne. Yeah what we see at least clinically coming up a lot. Yeah, so it's important to understand that it's not actually a single condition, it's a group of skin conditions. So eczema actually includes atopic dermatitis, contact dermatitis, and um, then there are varied forms of eczema. And um, even neurodermatitis can be connected within this kind of umbrella approach. And it generally appears in very young children, sometimes at age of, you know, three months and younger. And we see that most people affected, more than 65%, um, they've had a case occur before their first birthday of that, of that, you know, infant into first year of age. And, you know, 90% of people affected with eczema have had a eczema flare of sorts or some form of dermatological distress before age five. So there's definitely a connection in youth. And we see eczema becoming more and more common. And some of this may tie into the um, information we shared with you in last episode of the podcast, episode 82 on dairy and its controversies. And I would probably hypothesize that because the dairy proteins have changed somewhat, and um, especially for formula-fed babies, there's a higher risk of eczema, um, and some of this can be intolerance to the milk protein itself, um, so that it could be that A1 casein. It could also be um, lack of digestive uh, juices or stomach acid in the metabolism, and um, you know more distress on that form of leaky gut. 
and the fact that formula-fed babies don't get the human milk oligosaccharides from breast milk, and they get a more synthetic probiotic versus the natural occurring probacteria from breast. Um, and so I, I think that there's a definite strong correlation there. And um, the influence with eczema also beyond, so that would be micro, microbial or gut bacteria related as well, right? So if you're having an issue with not getting enough good bacteria as babe and or not supporting good bacteria with the oligosaccharides, that's going to create that same root cause that we were talking about with acne or the dysbiosis. But there's also the influence of too large of the dairy particles um, potentially penetrating or irritating the gut lining, that casein compound, which is very different than the casein in breast milk. And that can cause overall inflammatory distress and also the body trying to upregulate detox through the skin and that driving the, the eczema. Um, so other risk factors beyond age and beyond breastfed versus formula fed um, are children that attend daycare, which could go also back into what snacks they're being fed um, and you know the biome influence or higher antibiotic administration to daycare kids because of ear, nose, and throat concerns. Um, we tend to see uh, nutritional deficiency trends as well as low levels of vitamin D in the pregnant mama for that baby, as well as low levels of vitamin D for the babe. And um, then I think I already mentioned antibiotic use in early years, and I kind of tied that to the, the daycare trend as well. Yeah, the antibiotic use, I think, is, is a huge contributor to why we're seeing that upswing as well. And then, you know, maybe early introduction of grains and things like that before yes. the gut lining. I know that's something you're really um, stringent about with Stella or or tried to be. I guess she's still totally grain-free, right? No, she's she's like, 100% grain. She refused that one pancake. <laughs> yeah, she did. Um, no, she's 100% grain-free. And uh, Brady actually just made the cookies in the Naturally Nourished Cookbook, the uh, grain-free blueberry cookies. Um, and this was her first cookie she's had. Um, and she's what pretty pumped. She says, chocolate, chocolate, even though there's no chocolate in them. But, so, no. <laughs> And, um, but they're made with almond flour and uh, shredded coconut. So she's actually getting some of the antifungal, antibacterial compounds from the shredded coconut and the coconut oil in there. And then she's getting a really nice blend of vitamin E for barrier defenders in the almond flour um, and also fatty acids in um, the, uh, we chopped walnuts in this time around. Um, and so there's, you know, a, a cookie can be a cookie, but it's based on, you know, the composition and the distribution and the whole food versus inflammatory irritants. So first line of defense would be pulling out the gluten and dairy for kiddos with eczema because those can be huge irritants, both because those are larger particles that can, again, cross that, that gut barrier and create inflammation. But also remember that, you know, wheat in itself can interfere with zonulin, which plays a big role with your gut lining. And so that's my whole philosophy with Stella is up until age two, I'm not allowing her to have any grains because research shows that the microvilli can take up to two years to completely create an adhesive, nice, tight gut juncture lining. Um, so because she was a C-section baby, I'm being overly hyper conservative as far as ensuring that she has no forms of grain. Um, and we just brought in dairy 
and um, she was not able to have dairy until her full molars came in um, because of the connection with ear infections. So I will put a link in the show notes to my blog on immune health and alternative remedies for ear infections. We also talk about that on an episode of the podcast on immune health. Um, and I think that that's a first line of defense to keep your kiddos free of antibiotics by being proactive um, with other remedies um, because a lot of them suffer with ear infections and that's the number one cause of antibiotic use in the first three years of age. Awesome. So sounds like pulling out the dairy and gluten can be kind of a first line of defense if dealing with eczema. Um, I know that you've had experience clinically and, and we used to have that picture on the wall in um, the Naturally Nourished Clinic of that kiddo that um, came in with severe bleeding, almost lesions, oh, yeah. and then you know left with porcelain skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about some of your other go-tos and and maybe just the highlights of how you would address. Eczema. Yeah, so we've seen I've seen really successful outcomes with eczema in the pediatric population across the board, and it all goes down to those those same mechanisms, you know, like. Um, Mama, we check mama for mastitis. We help treat mama's, if mama's breastfeeding still, which we encourage, we help treat mama topically with coconut oil salves on the breast. Uh, We reduce mama's glycemic index, ideally bringing her ketogenic so that um, her uh, yeast activity reduces substantially. We don't supplement the mom while breastfeeding with the candida cleanse because we don't want to create a surge of die-off into the milk to pass to babe, but we instead work complementary with like the spectrum probiotic and the targeted strength probiotic to build up her good lactobacillus and bifido, as well as the spectrum with the saccharomyces to compete against the yeast. So we use good bacteria, topical coconut oil. We give coconut oil to babe as well for that natural caprylic acid to help with the yeast activity and biome shift. And then we start to give babe probiotic as well. Um, So we'll open capsules of the baseline probiotic and incorporate that into uh, first foods and um, coconut oil as a salve for the kiddo as well. And then um, we up the mama's intake of essential fatty acids with a EPA DHA extra push um, from our omega-3 fish oil. And that tends to support as well. And we might even use vitamin E topically um, on the babe on the targeted areas of skin need. And then it's addressing mama's diet for the food sensitivity. So we typically do MRT testing on mom if, if babe is only you know under the first year. If the baby is over a year, we might do the MRT food test on the uh, toddler to see specifically, you know, it might be for instance, something like avocado or banana that they're eating daily as a health food that's causing that distress and and continuing to perpetuate the eczema flaring. Awesome. And then we'd probably look into micronutrient deficiencies as kind of a a secondary tier of priority as well. Absolutely. And a good line of defense for kiddos too is our BioAvail Kids, which is a chewable multivitamin, um, which is going to have all of those methylated or or absorbable, hence the name BioAvailable, B vitamins, and then also a good mineral blend. Um, to help to make sure that we're kind of covering the bases there. Awesome. So a lot of good uh, tips and tricks and places to start if you or your child are dealing with eczema. Um, I want to real quick address uh, keratosis pilaris or KP or chicken skin, because this is something I see 
a lot clinically and people are like, oh, I have these weird bumps on my arms. I've always had them. My mom has them. I don't know what they are, but they're not that bothersome. At least it's not on my face, Uh, but let's address that. Yep. So it's plugged hair hair follicles, excuse me. And there is a genetic connection and there's definitely a gluten connection and a fatty acid deficiency connection. So the first line of defense is going gluten-free. The second line of defense is supporting the liver and optimizing fatty acid stores. So getting a good quality, again, EPA, DHA, extra supplementation in there and working with liver gallbladder. Um, So that is a huge trend I see. Often people with keratosis pilaris have loose stools or GI dysfunction and aren't absorbing their fats. So we need to work with, again, the digestate enzyme and also ultimate detox to help that liver in the processing. And then on uh, topical support, we may work with a little bit of gentle exfoliation, like a sea salt scrub or even like a, a sugar scrub or dry brushing. Awesome. I think that's super, super helpful. Um, let's talk a little bit, kind of jumping around here, but let's talk a little bit about aging because this is something I hear all the time. I'm just getting older. There's nothing I can do about how my skin looks. Um, What about addressing dull, sagging skin, wrinkles, and just the aging process in general? Sure. So, you know, as we age, the surface of the skin becomes thinner because we lose some of that that fat, you know, those cute little baby cheeks. <laughs> slowly, slowly, that fat starts to reduce. And um, we also get lower um, mel- melanin um, production, which plays a role with pigmentation changes. And the synthesis of our collagen and elastin, which are those structural protein that gives us that skin turgidity or the taut or tightness in the skin um, definitely starts to break down. And this is where we get that gravity effect of wrinkles <laughs> or sagging, apparently, you know, is that blah, um, sadness where we lose that turgidity, we lose that collagen and elastin. Um, and uh, skin thins in general um, and tends to have also a drier uh, texture because of loss of sweat and oil um, glands. So less circulation in the skin um, can drive less oxygenation and less nutrient delivery. And that tends to be then coupled with as we age, we're more exposed to free radicals, you know, so we have a dull complexion from either environmental toxins or just our internal stressors um, from chemical additives and again, processed foods being a big culprit for sure. So things that we want to look into. Of course, eating a clean whole foods diet, I think is one of like the first lines of defense across the board. So fruits and vegetables are going to be a great form of antioxidants. Supporting detoxification is going to be really important. So getting your turmeric, getting your lemon, getting in your leafy greens, really important bang for your buck for phyto compounds to support skin health. And then vitamin C would be a big push for our skin function because vitamin C plays a role in collagen production and it regenerates our cells and protects our cells from free radicals. So vitamin C is one of the best things that we can do. And that's why there's now a lot of like vitamin C serums out there um, that can be used topically and then consumption will help. And pairing vitamin C with the use of collagen or gelatin, so collagen peptides or um, gelatin that you can use in a powdered form, we have so many recipes on the blog, are gonna be great ways to help to keep that taut. And I found even um, personally when I was using collagen very religiously postpartum that that did help with my hair. 
um, and my meals in the kind of demands of, of collagen nutritional going towards building Stella, <laughs> essentially. Um, and so I found that that was a really good regenerative tool paired with the vitamin C. Awesome. Yeah. And I definitely see a marked improvement of like skin elasticity and hair growth and my nails as well with, you know, a couple times a week collagen use. I'm not using it daily anymore because right. I do a lot more fasting these days, but three or four times a week in a shake for sure. Absolutely. So last one on skin, I know you did a piece, I think it was in Prevention Magazine. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, under eye circles. So I wanted to give you a chance to, to share your infinite wisdom on this topic as well. Oh, goodness. Well, you know, in a, in a snapshot, I'll just highlight some of the new things. But the big thing is when we have under eye circles, it generally implies taxation on the liver. So, you know, this can be based on excessive sugar, which could mean excessive bacteria imbalance because sugar feeds dysbiotic bacteria and yeast. Um, and that tends to drive more ages or advanced glycation end products. And then even preservatives and toxins in the diet, as well as alcohol, can, of course, also tax the liver. Um, and so when we have free radical overload and lack of antioxidants to sequester those free radicals, we definitely will see dark circles under the eyes. Um, so eating a clean diet is a first line of defense. Again, getting an abundance of beyond the plants, um, enzyme-rich foods and fibrous-rich foods are going to be really important. And then adequate hydration because your liver is filtering constantly your blood. Um, you know, I think it's, it filters like a, a liter of blood every minute or something, maybe even more. I forget that statistic, but it's filtering a lot. And so giving ample water intake is going to be really important. Just remember to separate your water from your meals to not dilute your enzymes. And then doing some spa water or water infusions with like cucumber or berries or lemon or citrus slices, that's going to give you also a little bit more vitamin C with the delivery of water and also help to create a solute in your water, which is going to help with your overall hydration status. And the last thing you might try playing with is going to be a uh, liver flush. So whether you're doing that Bragg cider vinegar or uh, lemon, about two ounces of water with a um, bitter and acidic compound can help to drive bile flow. And then bitters in your diet, like, raw herbs and roots like turmeric, burdock, and ginger can all continue to stimulate that liver function as well. So those are all going to be the things internally that you can do. And then there are skin brighteners. So you actually can work with topically. Um, parsley has a huge influence on whitening in the skin, um, as well as Greek yogurt or yogurt in general. It doesn't have to be Greek actually, but yogurt um, can actually have a big brightening influence. Um, and cabbage internally and externally can have skin brightening influence as well. So we'll put a fun mask on our show notes. Um, I called it the Go Greek Lightning. And it's an exfoliating mask that banishes blotches and incorporates parsley, yogurt, and cucumber, all mashed up in a pulp that you uh, put a rich layer on your skin and allow it to sit for about 10 minutes or so. Awesome. And I think we'll have to make a blog post out of this, um, this episode so I can incorporate some of the other recipes we're about to share as well. So look yeah. out for that. That'll be linked in the show notes. And I will say, if you're sensitive to dairy, patch test this first because 
Uh-huh. I have sensitive to dairy. I tried this mask a long time ago, way back when, and ended up with like a rash on my face. So don't do that. Yeah. And was um, that when cow's milk was a red for you, right? I think yeah, it was yeah. it was way back like when I had first started incorporating dairy at all. And uh-huh. yeah, it was just bad news. So patch test with any natural product for sure, just in case. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Um, and then last question here on kind of the, the conditions and symptoms side of things um, before we get more into skincare and solutions. Um, what about nails? I guess they're going to get a little bit of the short end of the stick, but usually it's peeling, breaking, cracking, ridges in the nails, and those little weird white spots that come up as, as concerns with the nails. Yes. So, you know, we can first think of thyroid dysfunction again, because the the thyroid does play a big role as the generalized regulator, not only on metabolism and calorie burn, but also on mechanisms of productivity, like, like making and manufacturing new healthy cells, right? So we do see an influence there for sure. And that's kind of the first line of defense to look a little deeper into that HPA axis and the function of the thyroid. And we can also see with the peeling and cracking uh, fatty acid deficiency. And um, that also is something, again, that can be more of a demand after having a baby um, and or just if eating too low of a fat diet or if you're eating a healthy high fat diet, not absorbing your fats. Um, we see similar trends with B vitamins and zinc for the, the nails. And then, um, as I mentioned, within the thyroid world, iron deficiency and low ferritin can be in this world as well. And there's also just kind of this might be a duh one, but if you're giving your nails trauma, you're doing gels or uh, you know you have chemical exposure, you're going to have more distress and you're going to have less resilience, if you will, in, in the nail health. Um, so that's something that I'm not a big fan of. They look really pretty. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just say, you know, when you get your gels removed, there's a lot of distress in that process, a lot of um, toxic compounds that are used, and you strip the, the top layer of your nail bed for sure. Yes. So definitely collagen, collagen, collagen on the nail front as well. Yes. I can't say that one enough. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Okay. So let's talk about skincare and just highlight a couple of, um, toxic ingredients, I guess, that we want to avoid within our skincare? Sure. It's so important to note that, you know, our skin is the largest organ in our body and what we put in it and on top of it is absorbed into the bloodstream and carried throughout our body. So the concern is that the environmental working group, um, you know, has identified products that, that have nearly 200 plus ingredients that can be very toxic, made of synthetic compounds and include things that are carcinogens such as formaldehyde, lead, petroleum. And unfortunately in our country, there's no um, kind of disclosure requirement for cosmetic companies to list their ingredients. And I've seen clinically dynamic influence on sexual hormones, especially with people that are skin and makeup junkies, <laughs> like having really ungodly amounts of estrogen and um, sexual hormone imbalance in general, because their body is either their detox processes are so taxed that they're not able to regulate 
um, and or the compounds themselves having hormone disrupting compounds known as endocrine disrupting properties. Awesome. So let's call out just a couple of the items we really want to. Oh yeah, avoid. that's what you asked me to do, right? No, no, no. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Um, Follow up question. So yeah, yeah, yeah. what to avoid, what to look for on our labels. So phthalates are a big one. Um, and these are going to be found often as like emulsifiers. So they're kind of, in, they have a huge role with infertility. So phthalates are um, going to be seen often on a label as PVC or, or vinyl, um, and it's spelled P-H-T-H-A-L-A-T-E-S. Um, parabens are the next one we look at avoiding, and parabens also have endocrine disrupting or, or estrogen mimicking influence in the body. Um, and these are found as kind of an emulsifier as a, a use in shampoos, conditioners, sunscreens is the big thing we think of looking for paraben-free. Um, and then uh, BHA is a compound that is found in moisturizers. We are looking at also all perfumes and um, compounds that can have antibacterial influence. So perfumes are something to avoid, period. And antibiotic compounds, typically triclosan is the big one. Um, we've seen that interfering with thyroid hormone and also having a stimulation of the growth of breast cancer cells. These are in a lot of antibacterial soaps, face uh, and body products, and toothpaste and deodorant. So make sure it's triclosan free. And the last one I'll mention is perfluorinated chemicals, um, which typically start with the word fluoro. Um, and these are found in like nail polish, moisturizers, and, and eye makeups, and have been shown to cause issues with low birth weight and um, even interfering with fetal organ development. Scary stuff, man. You don't want that on your body or anywhere in your house. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we have a blog post that I'll link to another one. Um, that speaks to the toxins hiding in our beauty products and some natural alternatives. So I'll definitely make sure we link to that because it goes a lot deeper into avoidance of these chemicals and especially the endocrine disrupting aspect. Um, but if we're looking to just you know switch things out and not have to worry about the influence of all of these chemicals, um, Beauty Counter, I'll just make a little quick little shameless plug. Um, it is free of all of these chemicals and more. Um, so they have a, a never list and you can read that on their website of things that are never used in their products. And I've had really good outcomes myself using the charcoal mask and bar. Um, they're flawless in five, like five minute face uh, when I do put makeup on. And then they have these new color intense lipsticks that are pretty exciting for the occasion, like, you know, a yeah. once a month Fox segment or something like that for the occasion when I do wear lipstick. And tell me real quick about the flawless in five. Like if someone's looking into, cause it can be really daunting. I know yes. um, <laughs> I, I still have, I, I have on my ever turning throw out list of like, I, I mean, I don't even know. I probably have some old makeup and that's something important too, is to toss your makeup after at least, I think a year is the timeline you're supposed to toss your makeup. But if you have anything older than two years, you have to toss it um, because there's a lot of bacterial influence. Oh, yeah. Um, and if you're overwhelmed, though, because you have an expensive makeup line and you don't want to start from scratch, I think the Flawless in 5 system is an awesome place to get a taste of beauty counter and kind of just make a swap out of 
what is it at a foundation? Yeah. So you start and, and you go through kind of pick your skin tone and they actually suggest for you the best foundation. And it's a really light foundation. It's not full coverage. It's not thick or heavy or greasy, which I really like. And it has um, a moisturizer built in too. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And then they'll recommend based on the skin tone you chose, your concealer, your blush, um, an eyebrow pencil, which works really, really well. I sent this to my mom who has like no eyebrows at all and she loves it. Um, and then a, you get to choose your mascara and a lip gloss to go along with the palette. So I think the whole thing is about 150 bucks and that's pretty affordable. I mean, if you went to Ulta or Sephora and tried to buy those same products uh, or similar products from one of their natural beauty lines, you'd be spending a lot more. No doubt. No doubt. I have that myself and I probably use that. Uh, I, I, I don't even think of it as like a foundation. I think of it as like a kind of BB cream type thing, or I don't even know what yeah. that even means, but um, probably two to three times a week. Like when I just want a little bit of coverage on things and um, it wears really light and doesn't feel like a cakey makeup. Um, so it's a really good option. Awesome. And then they also have um, a line of sunscreen, which I'm really excited about for summer and um, some baby products, okay, which baby I, I care, haven't yeah. used, but I have Stella tried them. I got Stella the oil. Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Uh, so tell me vitamin E in there. And um, we just do that like twice a week after a bath. I love that. And yeah, I'm excited to give that to friends who are pregnant now as a gift for them to get started. Burn the Johnsons and Johnsons. Oh no, don't oh. burn it because it's probably going to burn it. It'll chemicals. Yeah. It'll <laughs> literally don't get it ever. Okay. Oh my, oh my gosh. So I'll link to those products that, that we mentioned in the show notes as well. So you can click right through um, and shop your flaws and five. And then let's, um, last little bit here, let's talk about some foods that support healthy skin, hair, and nails. So maybe like the top three to five. Yeah. So I mean, fat soluble compounds are huge. So I love recommending avocado because it has both, you know, the monounsaturated fats as a moisturizer. And then it also helps with absorption of a D E. And then even with the fat solubility helps with vitamin C absorption. So avocado is definitely a beautifying food. And then all of your vitamin C rich foods. So berries, bell peppers, um, all fantastic options for the free radical damage and the collagen influence. And then um, looking at your beta carotene rich foods. So carrots and sweet potato for vitamin A, which is going to help to support hand in hand with vitamin C, the collagen. And vitamin A um, generally helps with the acne as well, which is where we saw like Accutane, which is that high, high dose. Um, But getting a good amount of vitamin A from your carotenoid rich uh, pigmented foods is helpful. And leafy greens can't go without being mentioned as well because these are going to have the skin-friendly lutein and zeanthin, which are different antioxidants that help with hydration and that turgidity of the skin, but they also are going to protect against UV damage and toxicity and free radicals while supporting that elasticity. Um, And we've actually seen research studies on those that get about an ample amount, two to three cups of leafy greens, having reduced recurrence of squamous cell carcinoma by as much as up to 50%. Um, So again, it all comes down to antioxidants. And in any of these spectrums, like beyond the berries, bringing in oranges and citrus for your vitamin C, bringing in your fatty fish for those omega-3 fatty acids, um, whole real foods that are going to give us the nutrients that help to support is going to be the first place to start. 
Awesome. And then let's just talk about a couple of recipes to bring that all together. Yeah. So one of my favorite um, to look at is, well, green tea would be a really good one to mention. Oh, yeah. so like our matcha um, parfait would be a fantastic option and idea because green tea is going to help also with um, the anti-inflammatory support and detox support. Um, and then that matcha parfait also has the berries in it. Um, so that would be a really fantastic one and probiotics. Um, so you're getting kind of a good scope across the board. We have a also on the blog beautifying blend, um, which is a smoothie that uses cacao powder, which is really great for the zinc and minerals and antioxidants, as well as maca in there to help with that hormone balance and thyroid support. And then um, berries, avocado, macadamia nuts for the fat solubility and nutritional density, and coconut water to help with the rehydrating and electrolyte blend. So we'll make sure we put, a, it's called beautifying blend smoothie. Um, and I think I did that for probably that prevention magazine piece or a Fox yes. segment or something. Yeah. Um, but that's a really great harmonious recipe as well. Um, and then another one that I'd mention is our Mediterranean tuna salad. So you're getting those omega-3 fatty acids in the avocado for more fat. And then lastly, our carrot dip in cucumber cups to get those carotenoids and uh, fat-soluble vitamin A um, in the hydrating, nourishing, collagen-supporting cucumber cups. Awesome. And then maybe the chocolate avocado mousse as well. I always like to throw that one in. Never hurts to eat. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we talked intermittently about supplements, but let's do a quick roundup on just our favorite supplements that support hair, skin, and nails. Yeah. So I would actually start first and foremost with the digest aid enzyme, because if you aren't absorbing the nutrients you're eating, you're wasting your time. So start with the digest aid enzyme to make sure you're absorbing the fat soluble nutrients and you're reducing the inflammatory influence of gluten and dairy if you're consuming it, or even as a residual byproduct, if you're getting that as kind of a contaminant. So the digestate enzyme would be my first line of defense, followed by multi-defense. Um, definitely consider with iron, especially if you're having hair loss, you need that support for that ferritin level. And then I'd follow that with our EPA DHA extra and uh, strongly pairing maybe second or third place with our candy to cleanse bundle. Um, definitely a good place to start. And if you don't have any gut imbalance as far as a symptom, I would go into the 10-day detox, especially if you're dealing with acne, um, to support your liver in the process of excreting the imbalance in the body. Awesome. So and then I think collagen. Collagen, yeah, collagen a couple yeah, times, but yeah. collagen protein peptides can be a great tool to use a couple times a week as well. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So let's close it out with, as promised, just a couple of our favorite DIY solutions for beauty. Okay. So we'll put these in up on the blog as well. I think some of them might be, but we can make, clean them up a little bit. Yes. Um, so one is a pumpkin um, facial, which is really fun, especially around the time of the season when you have a little bit of extra canned pumpkin left around from a fat bomb recipe or some form of like a nut, nut flour muffin. Um, so canned pumpkin um, can be mixed with cinnamon and ginger, which have further anti-inflammatory influence and play a role with your uh, vasodilation. 
and um, smells really nice. You could even mix in a little bit of oats with that if you wanted to use it as a little bit of a scrub on different, different areas of the skin. Um, and then I talked about that Greek lightning uh, brightening face mask, which we'll be sure to put up there as well. And um, another one that I really like is, it's called Put on a Happy Face Mask, and this is uh, coconut oil, an egg that has omega-3 fatty acids in the yolk, of course, and ground flaxseed and an avocado. And it's mixed together until creamy, um, and that works really nice to sit as a mask for 10 minutes, and then you wipe it off and rinse with warm water. I love it. Yum. And, and all of those would be examples of things that are perfectly safe because you could literally take a spoon and eat them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I'm a huge fan of um, doing like sugar scrubs with coconut oil and essential oils. I mean, the scrubs that are out there are so ridiculously priced, the, the nice yeah. natural ones that yeah. you can take a ball jar and whip up your own with, you know, you're going to use sugar, but that's okay. It's just going on your body. Yeah. Uh, that and coconut oil, which I will allude to our episode on coconut oil. It was episode 78 for way more uses of coconut oil topically. Um, and you can even throw in some coffee grounds to help with uh, minimizing the appearance of cellulite and getting some of that circulation. Hey, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's a good way to use your extra coffee grounds as well. Um, it's a little bit rougher sure. in texture, so you wouldn't want to use it on like delicate skin, but definitely on like the arms and, and legs and kind of like upper thigh area would be fine. Um, I awesome. also love doing avocado as a face mask. So like mashed avocado with apple cider vinegar, a little bit of honey for that antimicrobial aspect and um, olive oil. And that just gives you a nice green face. <laughs> um, I just started doing my own charcoal toothpaste. So using um, coconut oil and activated charcoal with baking soda and peppermint. And um, I actually made yesterday a tallow balm. So Ooh, I was rendering, I saw you rendering that. Yeah. yeah. And I had a bunch of extra that like fit in tiny jars. So I was like, Ooh, let me put some essential oils. I did one with almond extract that smells amazing. It cuts through that like kind of animal smell that tallow has. It's, it's very subtle, <laughs> uh, but the almond makes you smell like a cookie. It's amazing. That sounds like a dream. I think maybe that's even one that I could do. Yes. <laughs> like twist my arm. Yeah. The, no, the tallow feels amazing too. It's very um, emollient. So it's going to really seal in moisture. You can do it under eyes and on your lips. I had Byron put it on because he's recovering from our, we both got a sunburn a week ago <laughs> oh my and he's peeling pretty bad. So he's like, oh, I could do this. It doesn't smell too girly. <laughs> no almond oil for Byron. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Love it. Well, that's a lot. I think we've probably delightfully overwhelmed you guys. We'll put links <laughs> to all of the recipes and all the things. And in summary, if you're dealing with hair, skin, and nail issues, it could be micronutrient deficiency. It could be stress, which means it could be your thyroid or your sexual hormones. It could be your microbiome and it could be the fact that you need a detox. So choose your own adventure on where to delve in and um, go on over to AllieMillerRD.com. You can check out books and programs to learn more about our 10-day detox or our Candida Beat the Bloat Cleanse. And that would probably be the first place I would tip my toe into the water if you're dealing with skin concerns or those with hair, skin, or nails in combination. Um, so thanks for listening. As always, if you guys can pop over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review, 
always helpful. And check us out on Instagram at Allie Miller RD to stay up to date. Um, Instagram and Facebook at Allie Miller RD on all of the recipes that we're releasing to help to fuel you guys with food as medicine. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.